Well, Bob, I'm torn. I'm torn because we did, uh, we announced on Twitter that we were going to wait a day to try and give the Phillies a chance for a mulligan. And they did. They came through. And we are now recording after a win, which is rare for us here on Cross Stop. I'm Anthony Sanfilippo along with Bob Wankel. Uh, we usually come on after a loss. And I wanted to start the open with the last time we talked, Bob, I said, what's going to happen when the Phillies are no longer in first place by themselves when uh, when we, you know, next week when we record? I wanted to say that. I wanted to start that because that would have been, see, I told you, look, at, look things are negative. Oh, my God, sky is falling. And that's a lot more fun to, to speak that way. But we didn't. We didn't. We're not there. I mean, the Phillies are going to be tied for first. I think we're recording the the, rain, the Braves are in a rain delay. So, but they're winning the game. Either suffice it to say, they're going to be tied. Phillies are going to be tied for first with the Braves uh, as we're recording this this episode. But they did it on the heels of a nice win over the Diamondbacks, seven to four. Um, so I I'm, I can't really go negative because there was the Phillies actually had a nice game today. Um, so I'm kind of torn with where to go with this team, Bob, because you can go in so many different directions with the Phillies right now. You could be happy with the fact that they're a first place team. They're you know, uh, you know where we expect you know we had hoped they would be at this point, and everything you can look at it you know hunky dory, happy go lucky, Mister Optimistic. You can be really negative and say, hey, it's it's going to it's gonna crumble, wait till the weekend when they go to Atlanta and they get their doors blown off, and oh my God, it's going to be a disaster. Or you could be somewhere in the middle, which is really not a fun place to be, to be in the middle, because then you're just like, meh, right? Let, you, let me either, ask either, you. Either be really optimistic or kind of negative. Yeah, let me ask you this. How do you, um, how do you feel about this team right now? Like, how, how do you feel about how they've played lately? I, you know what? I, 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 they frustrate me. They just do. And, it, you know, the funny thing was is that, and this has really zero to do with anything with as far as the way that they're playing, but, you know, I read a, you read a, I read a story on uh, NBC Sports Philly today, and they did it, um, they talked about it on the bre- uh, broadcast uh, during the Diamondbacks game today. You know, the first results of the um, All-Star voting have come back, right? And the Phillies are not doing well. And people are stunned. Like, oh, I thought the Phillies would have all these players who'd be doing great. Only JT Real Muto is in uh, third place for catchers. He's right, like the and, and they're doing it differently this year, right? Yeah. Where they take the the top three, or they talk, they take the top, top nine getter. outfielders. Yeah, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. And then they're going to have a, a second round of voting, but just for those players, right? Um, and none of the Phillies are none of the Phillies are doing well in in those positions. And I'm like. Well, are we should we be are we surprised because of what we're seeing, or are we surprised because of what our expectation was? And I think that's indicative of where this team is. I think that I think that I think you see it and say, yeah, there's there's talent here, but they're underperforming. And yeah. I think that, and that's what the, I think that's where they are. I, I agree with that. I mean, you go around the diamond right now. Like Reese Hoskins is he an all star based on what he's done over the last three four weeks? Nope. Nope. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, I think he's he's like in that second tier beyond. He's the their leading vote getter. Yeah, he's their leading vote getter, which is which is actually amazing. That was the one thing that jumped out at me. Like I know that Bryce Harper is not having the season that maybe some of us had anticipated, but when you consider the brand that Bryce Harper is and. There are certain metrics that that shine favorably upon Bryce Harper at this point. I mean, I think he's a seventh 
after tonight in uh, Fangraph's War or F War. So like, there are certain things that you can look at with Bryce Harper. You're like, well, he's actually having a pretty decent season, even though he's only hitting like 251 and the OPS is in like the 820s right now and all that. But you go around the diamond, and there's just nobody that you say, like, really jumps off the page. Scott Kingery has been by far their most productive player, but then he missed almost a month, so you, you can't really factor him into the voting. And JT Realmuto, I mean, honestly, I do think that he is an NL All-Star at this point. And you have Brian McCann, who's actually ahead of him, even though he's essentially the Braves' backup catcher, uh, which, is, which is truly bizarre. But you kind of said it. Like, there's nobody that has really exceeded expectations or really even has met the expectations that were placed upon these guys at the beginning of the year. With that said, Anthony, you've taken me down this negative, dark hole here, and <laughs> I wanted to be positive tonight. Well, it's not. A, so let me just stop you for a second, Bob. I don't think it's a negative. I don't think it's a negative. No, it's dark realistic. Hole. I know it's it, realistic, but it, it, it I want to be. Is. I want to be rosy. I want to be positive. We have caught a lot of criticism. I know that we've gotten a lot of five star reviews lately. People are happy, but uh, you know, some people are like, "Oh, look, Anthony and Bob are going to record tonight because the Phillies lost." Or, "Hey, man, the Phillies are in first place, and you guys spent thirty five of your fifty five minutes kind of talking badly about them." I think that we've always been fair, you know, and I think we've always been pretty realistic with this team. But I said I'm going to make it a point of emphasis tonight to be a positive guy. And here we are in the first five minutes of the show going around the diamond, pointing out the flaws with each player. Well, well good. You know what? You could be Mr. Positive if you I'm want. I'm going to. I'm going and to that, do it tonight. I'm doing fine. it. That's fine. It's totally fine. It's good to be positive. It's good to be excited about the team. Um, it, it, it's June 11th where, in which we're, where we're recording, right? It, you know, if this team is still in this position on August 11th, we're going to have a really exciting finish to this season. I'm just not 100% sure that we're going to get there. And so this is where this is what I this is what I have to say. I mean, because a lot's to be determined, um, of course. And I know that's kind of a stupid thing, stupid way to say it. But but what I mean by that is this team as currently situated. Without any additions, no trades, uh, you know, or, or call-ups or whatever the case might be. As currently situated, is this team a playoff team? I, I don't think it is. Well, so I don't think it so is. So what you want, right? That doesn't mean that that's not negative. It's just saying that I don't think that as currently situated, they're as good as the Atlanta Braves. And it's close, to be a wild card. That's all I'm saying. It's been like kind of bizarre with them lately because they were they struggled in Los Angeles and you know the first game against the Padres and things were they had lost 5 games in a row and you go, "Okay, here we go." And then they stabilize in the back half of the San Diego series. They come home, they win the first two against the Reds. They let a game get away from them on Sunday. They had a chance to sweep. And then last night uh, being Monday night was a disaster. I mean, they give up eight home runs. Jared Eichoff is simply terrible. He won't make his next start in Atlanta on Sunday. The Phillies haven't decided who they're going to fill in with there. But when you step back and you look at it, you say, at the end of the night, yes, the Braves are going to win this game against the Pirates, and, and they're going to be head up even after tonight. The Phillies are still 5-5 five and five in their last 10 games. It's not like this thing is completely spiraled out of control, but it sort of feels like that. And that's why I asked you that question. Like, where are you at with this team right now? Because it just feels like everything's going wrong. They're not playing that well. But 
they're they're five and five in their last ten games. You know, and that's the thing that I think is interesting. And so I think that this all comes down to one question with the Phillies: Do you believe that this is what they are, or have they just not played the expectations? And I look at this pitching staff, and there are guys that can give you quality starts on any given night, and then there are guys that can blow up. I look at the bullpen, and the injuries that they've sustained I think is simply unfair to expect this bullpen to perform as a a top third bullpen in Major League Baseball based on just losing six, seven guys. When you factor in Tommy Hunter, I think it actually gets to seven. It's, it's really hard to expect a lot out of this bullpen. So to me, where I thought the Phillies were going to be a playoff team, where they were going to make this run, was because I thought that the offense was going to be exceptional. I thought that Andrew McCutcheon would get on base. I thought Gene Segura would hit for average. I thought that Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, JT Real Muto in the middle of this order would wreak havoc. I thought that Cesar Hernandez is a 6-7 hitter. Odubel Herrera is a 6-7 hitter. And then Mike Alfranco in the 8-hole would extend this lineup, give it depth, and just be a nightmare for opposing pitchers on a nightly basis. That's what's not happening. I'm not surprised by the inconsistencies of the rotation. Based on the injuries that have occurred to the bullpen, I can't fault them for the Phillies' issues. But this offense, McCutcheon's injury aside, is largely intact, and it is underwhelming. And they were good tonight, and they were pretty good last night. But by and large, what are you talking about here? 11th or 12th in the National League in home runs? If I would have told you that, 60-plus games into this season, that this is where that team would be in terms of offensive output, in terms of power and slugging, would you, would you have ever believed that they would be in the likes of the Giants, the Pirates, the Marlins? I mean, that's the, the realm that they exist in right now. Um, yeah, I think, that, I, think that you're, I think that your assessment is fair. But I will say this. The offense was never going to be what it was at the beginning of the season when we were all fired up about it, right? It was never going to be sustainable to be that all season long. There was going to certainly be there was going to be a slide, right? There was going to be a you know a, a, a valley to this to that. If that was a peak, then there was going to be a valley, and there was going to be a series of them because the way that the offense is constructed, it is an offense that is explosive and can put up big numbers at any given time, but at the same time could just as easily. Because there isn't, there isn't other than really Segura. I mean, is there really a consistent hitter in the lineup? I, I'm not sure that there is. I mean, I guess Real Muto is close, but I mean, Segura is really the only guy that you're going to sit there and say, yeah, he's going to be, you know, a close to 300 guy all season long. I, I don't think that anybody else in the lineup even comes close to that. I think that the, so the, you're, what you're hoping is is that a couple people are hot at the right time and whatever the case might be. Okay, so, so that's the offense. So I, I, I'm not completely disappointed in it. Yeah, it's not as productive. And when I use the word productive, I'm using it based on OPS, okay? So it's not as productive as maybe we thought it would be. But the real concern, and I, I, feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm a broken record because I've been saying it since the preseason, has been this pitching staff, has been you know what this, this rotation is going to be, is, 
um, and, and what it could be and going forward. And the bullpen, I know they've had, I guess, Ranger Suarez became the 20th guy to throw relief inning for the Phillies um, in, the, in the blowout. And some glorious innings they were. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so he became the 20th pitcher. So I get it, right? There's a, there's, there's a lot of upheaval there. But I didn't particularly love the bullpen to begin with. Yeah, it would be better if they were healthy. Um, but if you look at this pitching staff as a whole, I believe, if I'm, you correct me if I'm wrong, is, going, is on pace to lead the National League in home runs against. Not only that, they're actually on pace to, to set a major league record for yeah. home runs allowed. And, <laughs> okay. uh, and a lot of that had to do with last night, obviously, giving up eight home runs. And Jared Eikhoff, I, I, I think that there's a, a few things that we need to talk about here. And I, I guess, and, and I know I was the one that kind of started this with the, uh, with the offense and talking about how they've underwhelmed. And that really has been my main sticking point. When you just look at the financial investments that were made in the offense, you go out, you, you trade for JT Romuto, you sign Bryce Harper for this money. You, you kind of expect, with Andrew McCutcheon's addition, you, you expect Reese Hoskins to take a step. And, and granted, he has been much better the last two nights, but he went through a cold spell for for three weeks, essentially. That's where my ire is on a, on a day-to-day basis. I look at this team scoring three, four runs a game against the Reds, and I go, come on, guys. Like, drop a seven spot. Drop an eight spot like they did tonight. But so in, in light of what happened tonight, like, let's kick it back to the rotation. And Jared Eikhoff, to me, is a guy that when you have that injury in your rotation and you need someone to fill in for two or three starts – you could do a hell of a lot worse than Jared Eikhoff. But I think it's becoming very clear at this point that he cannot make 20 to 30 starts for a team. He just doesn't possess the stuff necessary to consistently beat hitters. He's got to be perfect almost at all times, hit spots, change speeds. He's overly reliant on the curveball. He gets into a ton of trouble when he's up in the zone. And he just doesn't have the stuff to get away with mistakes. And he got buried last night. And I just think... I think the Phillies realize that at this point. I think that the Phillies know as they go along here and we get into July, August, September, they know that Jared Eikhoff's not an option in this rotation. So now you're one starter short because Cole Irvin's not that guy either, even if he makes the start on Sunday against the Braves. So you're already one starter short. So now like, let's work backwards. Jake Arrieta, how'd you feel about him tonight? I thought he was, he was okay. He also came within two feet of a fly ball in the fifth inning giving up a game-tying three-run homer when it was 6-3. So, like, yeah, to and, me, again, and, and, he wasn't he wasn't and, very good tonight. No, Four Jay, walks, five Jay, hits. Jay Bruce saved his ass a little bit, too, with that sliding catch. There would have been two more runs there. Yeah, least. and I got to say, Jay Bruce's defense has been much better in left field than I had anticipated. <laughs> I, I thought, uh, and, and not to say that it's going to last, but you want to talk about a positive – He's played a really good left field, all things considered, here for this team so far. Yeah, he has. I don't know if his range is great. I think no, that, but he's but he he gets he gets to the ball. He's with. made some plays that <laughs> other guys may not make. You yeah. know, even if he makes it look a little bit more difficult than it might need to be. Yeah, yeah, but uh, that's okay. I mean, that's not why he's in the line. Yeah. So then you see Jake Arrieta though, and you go, okay, like I, I guess. I mean, is Jake Arrieta starting a playoff game for this team right now? Well, I mean, probably you don't. You're only because you don't really have in today's baseball pitchers that are throwing three games um, in a playoff, starting at least three games in a playoff series. Um, so you got to have four guys to throw to pitch, right? Um, Noel has been inconsistent, but he's still your best guy. Uh, I guess Eflin, you know, 
proven that he can be a guy that you know you can rely on most of the time. Um, but I still think Arietta is probably ahead of Pavetta, although Pavetta, you know, with the last couple starts, has been great. But on the whole, you probably still put Arietta ahead of Pavetta. Yeah, if you're going to say who's going to start two games in a playoff and who's going to start one, it's probably Arietta and then Pavetta fourth. Right, um, and and so now like. The concern is this. You can deal with the uncertainty of a guy like Jared Eikhoff or, or even really just the fact that he's not that good, and you can, I guess, deal with the uncertainty of Jake Arrieta if Aaron Nola is a bona fide stud. And now we're 13, 14 starts into the season, and he still hasn't proven that he's that guy that he was last year, and I keep waiting for it. And I thought against the Reds on Sunday, he was he was decent. And he, I mean, he was rolling for a while in the middle innings of that game, third, fourth, fifth innings. He was just cruising right along. But then he gets into that spot. He reaches 100 pitches, and then he's facing a 226 hitter, two outs, a guy on first base, and you go, okay, here's your chance to kind of reset, get out of this inning, Phillies are going to get the brooms out, sweep the Reds. And what's he do? He throws four balls in a row, completely out of the zone, with absolutely nothing on them. Forces Gabe Kapler's hand. He decides to go to Jose Alvarez, who, by the way, leading up to that point, had like an 075 ERA in the month prior to that appearance. And he says, he's going to be the guy that gets us out of this. So then they bring up Nick Senzel as a pinch hitter. He hits a weak ground ball. Infield single, bases loaded. Joey Votto flares one out into center field. Phillies, you know, that, at that point, that's it. The Phillies blow the lead. They lose the game. To me, people were critical of Gabe Kapler, and I really wanted to talk to you about this. People were critical of, of, of Gabe Kapler after the game for going to Alvarez there. That it should have been Aaron Nola. The, you know, you got to trust your ace in that spot. I don't care if he's at 104 pitches or not. You got to bear down. My thing is like Aaron Nola hasn't earned that trust this season. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I'm. I don't kill Gabe there. I mean, and like if if Aaron Nola is going to be the guy that hammers the door shut yeah. and you know like steps on their throat, so to speak, you, you got to do it the batter before. Yeah, I, I'm not, not throw four non-competitive pitches outside the strike zone. <clears throat> like that's where I'm getting tired of Aranola. Like that, that's where yeah. it's like, come on, dude. Like it's time to go now. I'm We're more almost like, halfway through the season here. I, I'm more likely to criticize the manager if the pitcher is pitching well and he gets pulled arbitrarily because they reach some, you know, made-up number where they're definitely not going to be successful beyond a certain pitch count, which I, I have a, a hard time with. I, I, I don't like that. That's baseball in general. That's not just the Phillies. But, like, if Aaron Nola had gotten a guy, let's say that, you know, um, the guy reached base on an error or something like that or whatever, you know, but he'd still been throwing really good competitive pitches. And then they yank him. And it's like, well, wait a second, man. He's he's had a really, really good game. And, you know, that wasn't his fault that what just happened, a little, you know, um, you know, it was a wild throw or something like that. I mean, then I question it a little bit more. But yeah, yeah I, I'm okay with pulling Nola there at 104 pitches because he just looked he looked like he was starting to lose it, and so yeah, it didn't work out. Um, but I'm not you can't kill the manager for that. I I don't think so anyway. I, and you know I, I'm one of the first people who will point out when the manager makes a mistake with changing a, uh, changing pitchers or whatever the case might be. But I'll tell you right now, that's not one of them. And, and I think it just kind of I think that there's just this mentality when people watch the Phillies now, and I think I, I might have said this last week or the uh, two weeks ago, I feel like that there's this mentality. It's almost like people are watching each individual baseball game like it's an Eagles game or like, like it's, it's a in a vacuum. Game. 
Yeah, like everyone is just yeah. so all in, and they're like, well, you know, Aaron Nola is your guy, and like he's got to finish that inning. Like, no, he doesn't. Like, if you've been watching this team this season and you watch where Aaron Nola's been all year, the guy's got an ERA in the mid fours, and I know he was pretty crisp for a while on Sunday, and he was good his last time out before that, but it was very obvious at that point in the game that like it was over. He was yeah. done at that point, and like I just think that people. I think that people are being a little bit unfair when when they look at the expectations of, of what the, this manager should do. The thing that kills me, and, and I think that this is my thesis tonight. Like, when I came in, I said, what's the thing that I want to establish in this episode? It's that the Phillies are in first place, and there are some things that you have to like about them. But there are a lot of things that aren't going correctly, and... I don't know if that's a positive or a negative. Like, you well, can look at the Phillies and say, like, hey, listen, they're nine games above 500 right now, and they're tied for first place despite the fact that their bullpen is just absolutely tattered, despite the fact that Jake Arrieta is underperforming, despite the fact that Aaron Nola is underperforming, despite the fact that multiple guys in this lineup are underperforming. But at some point, when you reach the 60-70 game mark, these guys are underperforming, and you have a ton of injuries. Are you going to be able to recover from that? So is it like glass half full, glass half empty? How should we look at this team? Well, well I think that I, I, where I will agree with you is that I think that the focus in this city, when, we, when you want to look at things from a negative perspective with this team, the focus has been in the wrong places. I mean, there's no reason to sit there and – want to blame the manager for not pulling Gene Segura, for not running out of pop-up. There's there's no reason to sit there and blame the manager for uh, Aaron Nola you know, being pulled out after a walk at 104 pitches and then, oh, they blow the game. See, you shouldn't have taken him out. You, the, the ta- you're, we're really focusing on the wrong things. There are things wrong with the Phillies. There are things wrong sometimes with the way the game is managed. There are things wrong sometimes with a Philadelphia Phillies philosophy that comes from above Gabe Kapler. But those things are glossed over a little bit more to, to identify these you know trigger points for fans um, and maybe for talk radio. And I think that that's the, the real problems get lost in the shuffle there. Um, you know, this all started, we were saying, well, you're a little underwhelmed with, with the offense, yet they're scoring runs above the league average. So how much more? Should they be scoring a few more? Yeah, probably. But they're still scoring more runs than the league average. And the league average is, I think, what, f- um, uh, 4.7, and the Phillies are at 4.9. So, I mean, they're better than the league average. That's good. Um, the pitching – uh, is not as good. The league average whip, I think, is 1.32, and the Phillies are 1.38. So that's below average, okay? So really, really, if we want to sit there and say where the, the problem is, it sits in the pitching staff right now. And why are the – okay, well, the bullpen, you said, is in tatters. Well, why is it in tatters, okay? How is that bullpen managed? Not necessarily in-game. Do you there think are, that the management of the bullpen by Gabe Kapler is directly related to the amount of injuries they've had to this point? I think that they're – not completely. I don't think completely. I think some of it's bad luck. But I also think that some of it is related to – and I won't just blame Gabe. I will blame the organizational philosophy. Gabe's part of it. But the philosophy of how to use bullpens and how to get – how many times guys get up 
and sit back down and get him hot again. And then oh, we might bring him in now. Oh, we're going to bring him in. Let's rush him through. Let's, okay, you know, we heard the whole thing with Neshek. Let's rush him in after he's only thrown two pitches, three pitches. I mean, it. things happen with this bullpen and things happen with the way this this pitching staff is managed that should not happen and I think those are the those are the true criticisms that should be given that we should be hearing that we don't hear you know well because uh, we, we don't hear them because we're focused on hustle and and who's running to first exactly, base and, exactly but I'll, I'll, I'll give you another example you know we talked about the you know Pavetta's start against the Dodgers where he got you know we we sat there and said was he pulled too early probably probably was pulled too early and the reaction to that, because he got it, there was a lot of criticism. There was, and I thought that that was, I thought that was a valid criticism. Um, sometimes, sometimes the fans do get it right. Uh, I thought that was a valid criticism. The reaction to that was, well, we're going to leave him in the next time out, and he pitches a complete game, and it almost <laughs> makes it seem like, yeah. see, you know, you were right, blah blah blah. And you know, they, the Phillies didn't need to. I mean, it worked. It was fine. It was great. He got a complete game. But they oh, they overcompensate, and I think there was something that you know we talked about off. He air. he was awesome on Saturday. I, I will say he was great. And, and let me just say this: I was I was there Saturday. I was in attendance, watched from the press box, did the whole thing. Second inning, the, the fastball just had like this late explosiveness to it coming across the plate, and I looked over at the guy next to me, and I just said. He's going eight today. Like, that's what I had said to him. I didn't think he was, you know, I didn't say complete yeah. game or anything. I said, he's got eight in him today. Like, this is impressive. Like, this is what we thought right. he was going to be. I was not shocked by the game that he had on Saturday based on his first 15, 20 pitches in that game. I mean, he was electric. Well, and I, and, I, and that's great. And that's and that's awesome. And he probably deserved to go the complete game. And that's excellent. That's that's, that's actually not a necessarily a bad thing. I'm not criticizing them for keeping him in. Um, but I, I think it was I think the fact that he went a complete game was certainly reactionary. And so this is something that I think you brought up uh, to me uh, off before we started recording um, was uh, you know how the Phillies kind of react to certain things. And I know you wanted to point it out from you know the hustle end of things with um, you know Bryce Harper stealing home and, and right Reese Hoskins today coming home and almost getting thrown out on after an overthrow from the outfield and you know s- silly responses to this whole big fervor that they don't hustle as a team and I think that there I think overcompensation and re- being reactionary and and not necessarily letting the feel of the game you know bolstered by the information that you have from analytics, is is what is is, a, is something that I think is a failing. Not I don't want to say failing. That's probably a bad word. But is something that I think is a um, chronic issue with this or with this team. So you think that Nick Pavetta's complete game was a product or symptomatic of the fact that they may have removed him too early in Los Angeles? Yes. Okay. So to elaborate on the point that I guess you know we had spoken about before we went on air. You go back to Sunday's game, and you have Reese Hoskins, and he hits the pop-up, and I will tell you that everybody in attendance, all 40,000-plus people, thought that was going to be a foul pop-up when he hit the ball. Mm -hmm. It drifts back into fair territory. He does not run it hard out of the box. He does kind of scurry down the first baseline. He's safe, runs scores. 
Bryce Harper, had he taken off immediately uh, upon Hoskins' contact, would have probably been able to do, you know, do a somersault, uh, somersault and been in the dugout, and it would have been 2 nothing Phillies, right? right? Or whatever the score was at the point. They would have had two runs across. So Harper, after the game, kind of said, like, I just got caught looking at the play. Like, I just – it wasn't like I was going to dog it. I just looked at the ball. You know, you could understand Hoskins being frustrated when he hits it not busting it out, kind of thinking about how I just blew it. Harper, though, kind of comes around third base really, I would say, tentatively, and then he explodes halfway down the line because he realizes, oh, shit, I, I should have scored on this easily. And, you know, he, he busts it down the line at the end and scores the run and, and everyone's happy and go Bryce. Later in the game, though, now he's on third base and Reese Hoskins is up. And there's two strikes. And Sonny Gray's slow to the plate. And he thinks he sees something. And he he busted home, tries to steal home. And he's out. Here's the thing. It's a ridiculous play with two strikes. It's especially ridiculous because the hitter didn't know that that Harper was going to do this. So if he reacts to the pitch and swings... He could conceivably kill Bryce Harper in that situation. <laughs> I mean, like, he could have ended yeah, Bryce right. Harper at that point you're, with two strikes. Right. Yeah. And But the whole thing was he knew. He was acutely aware of the fact that he didn't score when he should have scored easily on that ball. Yep. And so he tries to overcompensate for it. And yep. we saw the same thing tonight, right? Like, so JT Real Muto comes up with Reese Hoskins on first base, and ball goes down into the corner. Uh, who is it? Um was it Peralta? David, David yeah, Peralta. David Peralta yeah. gets the ball out of the corner, misses the, the cutoff man, which was the shortstop. It trickles by the third baseman. Reese Hoskins is standing flat-footed on third base, sees the ball miss both cutoff men, and he thinks to himself, like, oh, okay, I might have a hustle play here where I can make a run out of nothing. Well, the first baseman's trailing, gets the ball. Hoskins should be out by 10 feet at the plate, but he makes a horrendous throw overthrows the catcher, Hoskins scores, we all clap and cheer and say, like, that's Philadelphia, that's grit, that's hustle. That was a fucking terrible play. Exactly. (laughs) Was that our first crossed-up F-word? I don't know. I mean, that was a horrendous job of base running by Reese Hoskins there. It wasn't wasn't heart, it wasn't grit, it was stupid. And no one's going to say anything about it, Bob, until you said it. But you're 100% correct. I mean, it was just terrible. It You're was terrible, right. and I think it was probably in direct relation to the fact that he didn't bust it out of the box on Sunday. Yes, this is all that. This is what I, this is what I'm saying. If we want to, if you want to really break it down, these there are problems that are inherent that exist with this organization, with this team, that aren't talked about. But what is talked about is is so overblown that it's creating more issues. I I, I really believe yeah, like that. the story isn't the hustle; it's the fact that. There's like this like insecurity and inconsistency of like what are we doing out here? Like, yeah. there's no like. Sometimes I think you just have to say like we made a mistake. We don't need to overcompensate for the mistake. I, like, let's move on. Can I give you it, another? It seems one? like we like this insecurity on. Can I give you another one that's that that I that no one will even discuss from tonight's game. I, no one will even bring it up. But uh, you know, I'm I, I'm not going to criticize Scott Kingery. He's been great. But there was a ball that was hit <laughs> yeah. in the center field, right center field. Mm. Okay. And all you keep hearing, you know, the Phillies need a center fielder. They don't have anybody to play center field. Scott Kingery's not a center fielder. Blah, blah, blah. So that's the conversation. So there's a ball that's hit out there. He has no prayer, no prayer 
of catching it. And he catches himself halfway between diving and trying to stay on his feet and just falls flat on his damn face. The ball gets past him and two runs score. And I wonder if he just runs to a spot and lets it be a single. You may, Yeah, you give up oh, one it's, run. It's four to one and there's a runner on third base. Sure. Yeah, but, yeah. Right, but it, so an extra run gets in. It's not an error, whatever. But again, it's one of those. Well, it's like you gotta, you gotta try hard. You gotta bust it. You gotta prove that you belong out here. And like I thing. can, I can appreciate that from Scott Canary's point of view. Like you are out there. You want to prove that you're able to handle it. You want to make the the exciting play. You'd already hit a three run homer earlier in the game. He's probably feeling it a little bit. Like yeah, I'm gonna really show him now. Yeah. Like from the mindset of a player, especially a young player particularly one that has almost zero experience playing center field and certainly in Major League Baseball. I can't kill Scott Kingery for that, but, yeah, I mean, it was a terrible decision. And, I mean, that's what you get when you have a second baseman playing center field. And to Scott Kingery's credit, he made actually a couple decent plays tonight, too, out there. But that certainly was not one of them. It's 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 just like – It's so funny. I got to share this with you, though. We're watching – I'm watching a game with my my folks, and my mother doesn't know the first thing about what the hell's going on. She she asks 700 questions every game, and 699 of them are stupid. Um, and uh, she so she asks my. Does father, she listen to the show? Uh, no, no, my, my mother doesn't. I was the first thing about a podcast, but she asks my dad because she's like, "Oh, Kinger, he's in the outfield. What's he doing out there? I thought he was in. You know, then he wasn't he at third base the last time. Blah blah blah. So whatever. And then she said they played shortstop last year, and she's like, "Shortstop, third base, center field. What's his best position?" And my father goes, second base." <laughs> so, so, yeah. so bluntly, and it's it's the. And you laugh, but the, it's kind of the truth that this is here's a guy who's really been, you know, probably the most positive story of the year in my mind for the Phillies. He's been and, outstanding. OK. Um, and he's still not playing his natural position. He's yet to really I mean, he played it a little bit last year, but he's yet to really play his natural position. Yeah, no, I honestly give him credit. And I think there was a, a theory out there last year that the. You know, the inability to to be able to go out every day and play the same spot defensively had an impact on his offense. And I don't know if that's true or not. I really don't. I think there were other factors at play that were probably more prominent in his struggles. But despite the fact that he's still not in his natural position and he's still kind of bouncing around, you know, he's at center, he's at third, back out to center. For him to have this type of offensive production right now is is remarkable. And I think it actually speaks a lot to Scott Kingery's uh, you know, character or, or his resolve almost. When you consider the year that he had last year, it would be very easy for doubt to creep in and kind of let this thing snowball and almost say like, okay, maybe I'm not the player I, I thought I was and maybe I'm not the player that other people thought I was going to be. And then you you kind of put him in this difficult situation yet again in year two, but he's responded favorably to it. And, he, you know, he misses almost a month with the injury, and then he still comes back, and he's been just as productive. I mean, he's picked up right where he left off. I think that says a lot about Scott Kingery. I mean, he really has been, of, of all the things that have gone well this year, he's definitely been the brightest spot of all, for sure. Yeah. Makes me feel smart. Yeah. Well, I do kind of feel good about the fact that we spent episode after episode last year saying, like, I think he's a good player. You know, that was one thing we didn't do. We never crushed Scott Kingery. We were always no, pretty we, fair to him. No, no, but I mean from the beginning of the season. Oh, yeah, yeah. You were all over it, yeah. Well, that's kind of – Stick your neck out predictions. My yeah. Man, stick my neck out prediction with Scott Kingery was going to be a vital part yeah. of the offense this and year. And I felt good about uh, who? Uh, Hector Naris. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. there was another one I had in there that wasn't so good, but we don't yeah. need to talk we, about well, that. Well, we've all had. We've all had. 
we've all had bad ones. Yes. You know, so it's it's interesting, right? I mean, here we are. Uh, okay, like they have one more game against the Diamondbacks before a day off, and then th- there's going to be seven games in a row that are going to be. It's going to leave us. We're going by the by the time we're recording next week, we're either going to be. There's going to be one of two extremes. We're either going to be high, in, you know, pie in the sky, or we're going to be completely frigging miserable with this team <laughs> because they got a huge series this weekend in Atlanta against the Braves, kind of a battle for first place, and then four in Washington against the Nationals, who are finally playing like the lineup that we thought the Nationals would be at the beginning of the season. So I think that, you know, those seven games can be – I don't know, we said this before. Oh, let's wait and see what happens after the, you know, Cubs, Brewers, Cardinals, Dodgers, Padres. Well, okay, we saw what happened. They let they, the Braves catch a, them. Yeah, they but, let the Braves they, catch them, but they, you know, they held their own. So when you say – you know, I know you said earlier in the show they're 5-5 five and five in their last ten games. And that's fine. I mean, I mean, if you know, you're going to have stretches like that during a season. It's not like they're completely awful. Um, but if you're – five and five in your next 10 games and then you know five and five in the next 10 games then you sit there and say well now we're putting together a stretch of 30 games where we're a 500 team you know are they more of a 500 team or are they more the team that got out to being nine games over 500 it's pretty wild they play uh their next 23 games leading up to the all-star break after they finish this diamondback series will be against nl east teams all 23 all 23 Yep, six That's amazing. The, six against Atlanta, uh, seven against the Mets, uh, three against Washington, and six against Miami. I think is what it is. So, um, yeah, mostly mostly Atlanta and the Mets. But uh, and as a matter of fact, the first series after the All Star game is also National League East. That's the or the Nationals at home after that, I believe. Yeah, so, so I want to do a little uh, little personality check. I mean, we've known each other for what a little over a year and a half, I'd say. Yeah. Yep. Um, do I come across as arrogant? No, but you told me you were going to be Mister Positivity tonight, and uh, you, you kind of went off the rails there. So if I'm being I wasn't, honest, if I'm being, no, I wasn't. If I'm being honest with you. I wasn't super positive. <laughs> no, I just want to know, like, because we get some criticisms. Like, I've had people shoot me DMs sometimes, and they're like, you know. Sometimes I feel like so. Like, let's talk about the criticisms of crossed up. Okay, yeah. I've gotten like sometimes you guys are like a little dry. Like you know you're a little too analytical. Sometimes it's like I, I, nobody's ever used the word boring, but like a little slow. And I go okay, like I could I could see that. Like I think that's fair. Sometimes I get like you guys are a little negative, and and we've obviously acknowledged that on the show. I'm like aware of it. You know what I got last week? What'd you get? You think you know more than the average fan, and you're very snarky and arrogant. And I, I got to say, like, other criticisms I'm usually open to, I was blown away by this. Like, I was stunned. I was like, do I really come across like I'm like this know-it-all, like jackass? Like, I, I really didn't think that was my thing. Like, I know I'm a little bit tough sometimes. I know I get a little bit, like, pissy. But, like... I just I was blown away by it, and so I I want to put you on the spot, and I want you to tell me, is that true? So let me let me say this: whoever, and I have no idea who sent sent you this message, but I'm going to piss them off a little bit more. You do know more than the average fan. Well, you that's do. fine. That, that, okay, I, I know. And that's, I mean, and that I, listen, that's not a negative. I appreciate Bob. that, and I know that. 
So but that's not a negative. <laughs> that's that's no. not a negative to say. You know, the, if 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 you and I were just the average fan, we wouldn't have a podcast. Well, I think the thing that this guy, right? I think the thing this guy was focusing on was that, like, I, you know, I was the first to be like, oh, look, it's Gene Segura hustling. Like, and I said to him, I said, listen, it's not about telling the average fan that they're stupid. What we're doing, and I think we all do this at Crossing Broad. I, I certainly know that Kevin does this a, a lot. It's pushing back against the the cliche, the, these like yeah. media-driven cliches, like the Gene Segura should be benched because he destroyed Andrew McCutcheon's season. Like I don't care about the fan that thinks that or the the fan that wants his team to hustle more. Like I think that that's totally reasonable. But when you have voices in prominent positions that just pander to this bullshit, like the lowest common denominator of thinking when it comes to, to sports, that does offend me. And I do want to call that out. And I will continue to call that out. Yeah. And like sometimes I'll be sarcastic and, and sometimes I'll, I'll do it that way. And it's not because I think I'm smarter than people, but it's just to, to kind of push back against this so overly obvious, completely predictable and a completely tired narrative that we get when things like this happen. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. No, I, I, you should not. Don't change, Bob. Don't change. Be the be the guy you are. And it's interesting because, like, <laughs> I take, like, criticism pretty well. There's only been two yeah. criticisms. And, like, you know this. Actually, people like your stuff when you write. And I feel like that of all of the Crossing Broad guys, like, you're the most positively received because I think people view you as plugged in and you're breaking information that, that maybe some of the other reporters don't have, when, especially when it comes to the Flyers. And so I think that like you get like hardcore hockey fans reading your stuff, and those people tend to comment on your stories, and for the most part, those comments are, are pretty productive, especially in the grand scheme of, of crossing broad commenters. So, like, there's there's only been two criticisms that I've ever gotten that really bother me. That was one of them because I said, like, I really don't think that I'm like that, but maybe I am. I said, I'll look in the mirror. I'll reevaluate. It's that. And this guy, he keeps saying that I have a receding hairline. <laughs> like, this bullpen's fading faster than your hairline, wanks. And I'm like, dude, really? Like, I'm 33 years old. I keep looking in the mirror, and I'm like, is it is it going up a little bit, like, at the front of the forehead and the corners? Like, maybe a little bit, but I'm like, I have a lot of hair right now, and it drives me nuts. I'm like, you can call me fat if you want, like, which I don't yeah. think I am, but, like, it doesn't bother me, whatever. But the hair thing is really starting to piss me off. That guy's completely in my head. Yeah, it happens. It happens. I just, yeah. I don't know, man. Like that's, that's I'm, glad, like, I'm glad that that's the one thing that bothers you more than anything, though. <laughs> that one gets me. It's that one, and then the whole, like, you know more than other people. I'm like, I think I'm a pretty reasonable guy. Like, I'm willing to listen to anything, you know? Yeah, but. yeah but that's okay. That's all right. Look, the way, <sighs> I've, always, the way I've always done it, now, you know, I've, I've been on social media uh, now for uh, over 10 years, on, on Twitter especially, Um and I've, you know, I've had my share of criticism on on social media, of course. Um, the and the one thing that that I've always believed, and someone once told me this when I first broke into the business as a as a journalist, um, you, if you are, if you have fifty percent of the people agreeing with you and fifty percent of the people thinking you're, you know, you're a jerk and you're you're terrible, then you're probably doing your job right. Yeah, it's it, it actually and, 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 and I don't know if certain if you want to look at it as fifty fifty, you probably want it to be a little bit more in pro than than negative. Um, 
but that's that's that means it's good. I mean, if you get some criticism, it's good that you get some criticism because if everybody believed you, you would be like the freaking Pied Piper. That would not be a good thing. Right. But so like, fact, let's, you know, like, let's break this down a little bit. So I have two thoughts. One, like people take shots at even someone like me, and by no means, and I I will I'll be the first to tell you this. Like I'm not that prominent of a voice. Like I have 2,600 Twitter followers. You know, like I'm down there. Like I, I don't know. I I think that. Most of the time when I tweet, like, there's something to it, and, and I try to give some opinions and interact with people when they talk to me, and that's all fine and well, and we do this show, and okay. So people want to take shots at people that have a little bit of a platform. No problem. I'm amazed by how mean people are to sports media people. And it's like, and I don't really just even necessarily, like, I don't mean me even. Like, when you look at, like, how people talk to Kyle Scott, or when you look at, like, when John Clark posts something on Twitter, like, the comments directed at John Clark, like, they're mean. They're, like, needlessly mean. Unnecessarily mean. Les Bowen will tweet something about the Eagles, and they'll be like, you know, go yell at a cloud, old man. And you're like, what the f-? Like, why are these people so angry at these reporters and these personalities? And I will say this. I found myself doing it a little bit with Angelo, right? So, like, Angelo Cataldi, like, I, I want to get this on the record because I don't know that we've ever specifically had this conversation on air. But I will tell you this. I think that Angelo Cataldi is one of the smartest people in this business. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He's been ultra successful for multiple decades. And he deserves a ton of credit for that. But I find myself, like the other day, right, like the, the Hoskins pop-up happens, and I tweeted something along the lines of like, great, just when we thought that the hustle and Gene Segura talk would die, we have now more fodder for Angelo Cataldi. And like I added him. And like I wasn't being a dick. I wasn't really taking a shot. But I'm like, this is so right up his alley. It's so completely predictable to what he's going to do. And sure enough, he did it. And, like, I felt like I was being a little bit of a jerk by taking that shot, like, by making that tweet. And then everybody jumps in and they're like, he needs to retire. Like, he sucks. He's an idiot. He's a moron. And, like, people just go on these personal attacks. And I just think it's really interesting, like, how the common the common person, the common social media user can be so nasty over sports opinions. And you've been doing this a hell of a lot longer than I have. So I'd be kind of curious, more or less, to, to get your opinion on that. It's worse now than it than it's ever been, and there's there's no doubt in my mind, and I think a lot of it has to do with just the overall distrust of media, right, um, in general, and, and I think that it, in you know part of it, part of the the philosophy is, um, and I don't think anybody really thinks this, but I think that this is like a group think, this is a group thought mentality. Um, I think that the idea is is that we're just going to shout down anyone and everyone who is a quote-unquote member of the media and the ones that can you know make their way through all of our landmines and come out on the other side unscathed are the ones that will trust the most i really believe that i really think that that's kind of how society you know projects the media and and, and so therefore those of us who can who can navigate our way through 
will be the ones that people go, oh, okay, well then, you know, even though he's been criticized, he's still doing it and he's still doing his job. And okay, I can trust that guy. So like, you know, so I, I kind of think that that's how it is. And then I don't, it's, it's, is it fair? No, but I think that that's, that's the, that's society today, Bob, and it sucks, but that's, and, the way and I'm it sure is. that you have dozens of, of examples where you could probably refer to personal experience and we see how, how mean people are to athletes online. I mean, yeah. you know this, but I'll give you the example. I guess the, the thing that got me thinking about this specifically was something that happened on Twitter, and it wasn't public. So Gabe Kapler removes Aaron Nola, and we had talked about this earlier in the show. You know, he gets to 104 pitches. There's two men on. Jose Alvarez had been really good. After the game, he was obviously asked about it. I was in the room. He gives his explanation, Gabe, and, and I was comfortable with the explanation. I, I agreed with him. I, I Prior to him even explaining it, I thought it was the right thing to do. He sort of walked through his thought process on why he removed Aaron Nola. A lot of people thought that Aaron Nola should have stayed in the game. That's fine. I had written a story after the fact on Sunday. I kind of said, you know, I blame Nola more than I blame Gabe Kapler. And like I said on the show a couple minutes ago, I got a direct message from a guy who doesn't follow me but often interacts with me on Twitter. And sometimes he's polite and sometimes he's mean and, and whatever. I don't care. He says, I can't believe, and I'll, I'll read this to you. I'll pull it up because I want to make sure that I'm accurate. I can't believe how much you're always on Gabe Kapler's dick. No matter what this guy does, no matter how bleeping bad he is, you're there to support him. It's bleeping pathetic. I got to tell you, man, I, I just thought he made the right move. And, like, you don't have to agree with that. You could think that Aaron Nola should have stayed in the game and thrown his 105th pitch. And, you know, Joey Votto didn't have good numbers against Aaron Nola. So once it got past the uh, Sensel or whoever they were going to send to the plate, it would have been Nola Votto at 109 pitches. If you thought that the right thing to do there was to leave him in, fine. But, like, that's an ultra-aggressive message to somebody who just happened to give his take on a 50-50 call. And I look at what happens to, like, the Jeff McLeans of the world, especially when they report negative things, and it's like, I feel like this is, like, kind of crazy. I feel like we're in this territory where we're just like, I think people got to start, like, taking a deep breath and checking themselves a little bit. Like, so what you're experiencing there, Bob, is you've now run into, uh, and you'll run into many of these, and I'm sure this is not much of a surprise for you, but I'll put it out there just for the, the benefit of the listeners. Uh, there are fans who are absolutely 100% convinced of something, and in this instance, it's that Gabe Kapler is a terrible manager and will never succeed, um, and that no matter what anyone says about him that could be deemed as positive, you will then suffer the ire of them because, oh my God, how stupid are you? Don't you realize that he's a pro he's the biggest problem that the Phillies have right, right now? Yeah. And that's it. And that's kind of what you f and that's what you face. And so what they do is they try to bully you into changing your opinion about Gabe Kapler in this instance. It could be about any could be about anybody, right? Um, but this is no different than when you had the, you know the idiots who said. The Eagles should keep Nick Foles and trade Carson Wentz. I mean, it's the same. It's the same concept, right? It's like, are you really serious about this? I mean, that's that's kind of stupid. Um, uh, you know, it's 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 all the people who want to, you know, fire a coach too soon or who want to, you know, trade a trade a player because they're, you know, they haven't won. You know, I, I hear it in hockey all the time. We should trade Claude Giroux. He's right. never, never yeah, won he's, anything. He's not a real winner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's stupid. But these people, it's they exist everywhere, 
And no matter what, no matter if you say something positive about someone they don't like or that they then they're going to let you know that you suck because because you have that opinion in that particular moment about a player that they don't like. Yeah, and I know that like if you listen to this show, I think that I've I've been on the record. I've I've said it many times. Like I think that Gabe Kapler's a, a capable manager. I think that he's learning some things. I think he's not, you know, he's certainly not perfect. I could give you an example of something very recently that I disagree with. Last night Jared Eikhoff gives up a homer, makes it 5 to 3. Uh, after the Phillies climb out of the 3 nothing deficit, Kapler decides to leave Eikhoff in the game. And the 5-3 deficit on a night where the ball's flying out of the stadium then turns into a 7-3 deficit. And at that point, I think the Phillies were sort of out of the game. I would have had Eikhoff out of the game after the 5-3 homer. It would have been his fourth of the night at that point, relatively early on in the game. I think it was the fourth inning. I thought it was a bad move by Gabe. I thought that the Phillies could have stayed competitive in that game had had they made that move sooner. Um there you go. Like there's a criticism. It's not that I think that Gabe Kapler is a uh, you know perfect manager or that I'm afraid to criticize him, but it's just amazing. Like you align yourself with a, a 50-50 take one way or the other, and you have a, a portion of the fan base just ready to you know kind of like question, not even question, but just like kind of get personal. I, I do find it interesting. Like. I, it's not keeping me up at night, even though like it's become a part of this show and like it's a segment that we're talking about. I just think the psychology of it is very interesting. No, yeah, it, it, but I mean that's that's what happens, and it'll be the same thing if you criticize someone that that a particular fan loves and and doesn't think deserves any criticism ever. I mean, it's same. You'll get the same kind of reaction. It's it's, it's unbelievable. And that's like the thing too. And like yeah. we were having a talk. It was a, a couple of the writers were down there on uh, Sunday before the game, and we were talking a little bit about like the Segura like running the ball out thing. And like you want your guys to hustle. You want your guys to be perfect. You want your guys to be all, all in all the time. But like over 162 games, like these guys are going to break down a little bit. Like you want them to play their best in August and September. Like you have to leave a little bit of the in the tank when when the probability of a play unfolding the way that it does is less than 1%. You know, like, you got to pick and choose a little bit, but people aren't really – people don't really want to hear that. And one of the writers had said, like, you know, a lot of people play JV baseball, so they think that they know how Major League Baseball works. And I thought that that was interesting because I feel like that that's what some of the people have accused me of being like, you know, like – and I said, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's just interesting. I think I, I've been really curious. I've been really curious in re- recent weeks, more so this season than any other season, of how the games are being watched and how the general fan is consuming these games and how they're reacting to, to the action and how these games are unfolding. And it's just something that I've continued to pay attention to. So that's why I wanted to bring it up to you. Yeah, it was worth it. It was worth bringing it up. I, I you know, I mean, that's just the- especially because I just can't talk about Jake Arrieta being sometimes good and sometimes bad. Like, I mean, you know, like it's just I think we've we've run the gamut of of what these guys are and how they've played over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Hey, Bob, I got uh, one last thing I wanted to bring sure. up. Sure. Before we uh, start to wrap the show up today, um, <laughs> can you believe? If I would have said to you at the beginning of the season, it's back in spring training, that the guy who had a chance to get uh, – that a guy, former Philly, would have a resurgence this year and help his team, who was expected to be a last-place team, 
stay in playoff contention. Would you have bought into Hunter Pence at 36 years old no. carrying the Texas Rangers? <laughs> no. no, I wouldn't have. And I, I would, I kind of hope he stops doing that because I, we talked about it last week. I want Mike Miner. <laughs> and if he continues to hit 284 with 13 homers and, you know, a 902 hey. OPS, we're going to be in trouble here. How about 14 homers? Yeah, he homered he again in, tonight. Inside the inside park, the park Fenway, tonight. That's right. To beat the, beat the Red Sox. Amazing. That's it. When I saw that, I'm like, that's the thing to me. Like, yeah. here's, here's a guy who's, again, he's 36 years old. He was at the end. He was at the end for two years with the Giants. And he's out there hitting inside the park home runs, and the Rangers are winning again, and they're sticking around in the race for a wild card in the, in the American League. It's it's crazy to me, and I, I'm rooting for the guy. Yeah. I, I, I want to see him do well. I always liked him. I liked him when he was in Houston. I liked him when he was here in the short time he was here. Um, Let's Go Eat was one of my all-time favorite. <laughs> do you remember Let's Go yeah, Eat? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I remember Let's uh, Go Eat. Yeah, you know, all time One of my all-time favorite sayings. And then he was pretty good with the Giants when, you know, as much as you didn't want to see the Giants win, you know, the 2012 and 2014 World Series, um, he he was a big part of that. You know, he turned them around. They were down 0-2 in that series in uh, 2012. Uh, he had that, and he called the uh, the team meeting and, got you know, let's have fun out there again. And all of a sudden they became a World Series champion. And then 2014 he was, he was like, he had a pretty strong 2014 for them. Um, you know, and it's like, yeah, you know, I always liked the guy and then he just kind of fell off the table and like should have retired. And he comes out of nowhere on a minor league contract with the Texas Rangers of all teams. And he's having a great, great year. It's, it's funny awesome. that, uh, you, you mentioned former Phillies because I thought you were going to bring up, I had a hunch that you were going to bring up another former Philly tonight. So let's Wait. play a game here real quick. Okay. Ready? Go ahead. So player A, you know the old player A, player B, uh, little comparison test here. Player A is hitting 251 with 11 homers and 823 OPS. You know who player A is? I might need a little bit more than that. 251, what's, what is it again, 251? 251, 11 homers, 823 OPS. Had a hit tonight, had a double tonight. Bryce Harper. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Player B is hitting 285 with a 912 OPS, 12 homers, 40 RBI, 40 runs scored, a 403 on base percentage. Do you know who this player is? It's got to be another former Philly outfielder. He's, uh, he's, he's, it's, not, it's not apples for apples here. Oh, okay. But uh, he's a former Philly nonetheless. A very recent former Philly, one that I did not like, and I was very happy to get rid of. Who who is it? Carlos Santana. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I forgot it. Yes, Santana's having a great year. I've kind of been like, you know, I I focus on the Phillies, right? Like that's yeah. where my mind is. And I had this thought the other day. I said, I'll tell you, I haven't heard a ton about Carlos Santana. I wonder how he's doing. And I looked it up and I said, oh, God. <laughs> like, the 285 batting average is actually the thing, though, right? Because, like, he's we all hated trip. him because he was hitting 240, 245 last year, 225. You know, he was all over the map, sub 250. And now he's hitting 285 with 12 homers 
and he's over 900 in the OPS, and this is everything that the Phillies would have loved last year. If this guy had this stat line at this point of last season, he would have been, he would have been in the All Star game. They would have been punching the ballots for him. Yeah, now he uh, he's having a career year. His his batting average is best of it's any amazing any year of his career. His on base percentage is better. His slugging percentage is better. His OPS is better. Everything is better. This is a career year so far. Again, it's two and a half months, but it's a career year for Carlos Santana so far. The interesting thing, I think, uh, with that, I mean, the Indians have been probably one of the most major disappointments in baseball this year. Yeah, they have. Um, I wonder if he stays there or if they look to if somebody looks to, to add him. Yeah, now, before everybody freaks out, like, I know that Reese Hoskins plays first base and, you know, his OPS is comparable, and I get all that. I'm just – I was just curious about Santana, and I, I was certainly a little bit taken aback. I said, oh, my God. Let me ask you something. You know, there's a lot of talk say Philly's going to go out and get a center fielder. Scott Kingery's not really a center fielder. Kingery will probably play some third base instead with Franco being as bad as he is. Carlos Santana could play some third base. Would you? Just for the for the playoff push? For third Carlos Santana played some third base? He played third base for the Phillies last year and was yeah, not know, yeah. was not bad. Was not bad at third base. <laughs> no. Look, you were bringing Jay Bruce, you were bringing Jay Bruce in to be a bench bat, right? I mean, that was the whole uh-huh. premise. I mean, now he's your everyday So now we're going to do Carlos Santana and Jay Bruce on the left side of the uh, defensive alignment. Well, I'm just saying, it doesn't have to be your everyday third baseman, but as a guy that, you know, he could come in, he could be the bench bat, you know, switch to, hitter to answer off your the question, bench. I mean, like, yes, you could make this argument, and that's all fine and well, and certainly if uh, he was free, you could do that. But I think that I think the biggest roadblock there is that Carlos Santana probably makes practical sense for many more teams than he would for the Phillies, thus his price is probably more than the Phillies – should or would be willing to uh, to spend to, <laughs> on your hypothetical. No. But uh, but a fun only, thought. He's only signed for one more year. Put your video games away. <laughs> Carlos Santana's coming home, baby. You know? So, uh, so yeah, just, tomorrow what do we got? Phillies, D, uh, D-backs. Uh, Phillies trying to win another series here, something that they've been excellent with. Uh, what is this, a 7.05 start tomorrow? Is that correct? Yeah, seven oh five start. Yeah. I believe we have Zach Eflin's staff ace, Zach Eflin, with a two eight eight ERA, coming off you a pretty talk decent about a guy who's start. Be an all, you want to talk about a guy who's going to be an all star? Yeah, yeah. He's I, been I good, think, man. I, he's probably along with you know you say who from the Phillies is going to be an all, get the all star nod. I think. Do you think Real Zach Eflin like? We, I think Real Muto is going to get. He's probably not going to get the vote because um, Wilson Contreras is having such a great year. And you know the Cubs fans will vote en masse, and he'll be your starting catcher. But I think that Real Muto will probably be yeah, the, you know a backup catcher on that All Star team. Beyond that, who's the next best candidate for the Phillies? I mean, are the Phillies as a first place team a one All Star team? Hector Neris, maybe. Perfect maybe. and save opportunities. Yeah, maybe Naris. But I think I like I, I literally think that it's da- it, you know Eflin's in that conversation. I think that Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper are both a, a two week hot stretch away from from working themselves back into the conversation. I, I don't I don't disagree with that. I think that you're right on yeah on part with that. But I mean, as of right today, if we had a yeah. cut off today, today's the deadline. Yeah, I think Eflin's got a shot. Yeah, and we got uh Merrill Kelly. For the Diamondbacks, I'm not going to lie. I know he's a righty, and that's about all I know. He's, he's been okay. <laughs> 412 ERA. Uh, 
Seven innings in uh, each of his last two starts. Only one run allowed in each of those two starts, so he's been really good lately. Uh, should be an interesting matchup. Phillies get this one tomorrow, though, and they uh, go 4-2 and two on the homestand. I think you got to feel pretty good about that before they jump into this massive series against the Braves. Um, that's going to be – we're going to learn something over the next week or so here. I don't think that they're – and one last thing on that. You know, they, they said that, uh, you know, Eikhoff's not going to pitch Sunday. And we, oh, I don't know who's going to pitch Sunday. With the off day, Thursday – it would technically be Arietta's day to pitch, right? I mean, he would have four days rest. He pitched tonight. Would you be Would you be more comfortable with Arietta than throwing somebody that you're calling up from the minors against the Braves? I would. I'd rather Arietta. Yeah, I would too. I I think of uh, two games specifically. Arietta pitched the Sunday night game against the Braves when the Phillies uh, swept them in the opening series and. He wasn't very good in that game. The, the final line was good. I think he only allowed one run in six innings, but he was in trouble in almost every inning of that game that night. And then I go back to him in late September uh, towards the end of the season, and he got absolutely pummeled. I'm not even sure that he lasted two innings in that game. So Arietta against the Braves is not a, a fantastic matchup, but I would still roll the dice with him over Cole Irvin or – you know, a bullpen game I mean, where Jose Alvarez is coming out in the first inning or well, something like that. Well, you know, who's, you know who started tonight for uh, Lehigh Valley? Eniel De Los Santos. Yeah, he's kind of been like the forgotten guy here. Uh, I yeah. think at some point that he's going to be – he may factor in. I mean, it, I, it, I guess it will not be him on Sunday. Well, I mean, I mean it, it could be. be. It, it could be. be. It would it, be his turn on five days. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Maybe it is him. Uh, I think that he's a guy, though, I would like to see if we're on this fact-finding mission. Like, you know, do the Phillies need to acquire a starting pitcher at the trade deadline? And I think that we yes. would agree that they do. <laughs> but I think we've, we've completed our fact-finding mission on Jared Eikhoff at this point. I, I would be kind of curious to know what Eniel De Los Santos has over a four- or five-star stretch. Just to just to kind of know where where does he really factor in? Because right now he's sort of he's sort of like in this this really weird spot. I don't think he's a long man. He he doesn't make frequent enough appearances in that spot where the Phillies are getting proper value out of him. He hasn't been in the rotation to this point. He's not a one inning reliever. You have to leave him down in Triple A. I mean, like let's let's find out. So I mean, if if they're going to make that move, he would be the guy. But uh, I think I would still rather see Arietta, you know, right on. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be opposed. I wouldn't be opposed to giving De Los Santos a, a shot. I'd rather you start him maybe Monday in Washington. The next time through, yeah, yeah. As opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to Sunday against the Braves. That's all. That's, yeah. You don't that's want uh, Freddie Freeman and Marquez and uh, all that. And yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Hey, Bob, we got another five star review. There you go. Yes. Lay it on me. As as we do every week, uh, if you go to iTunes and and uh, leave us a five star review here on Crossed Up, we will read it on the program. Uh, so uh, we got another one this week. Uh, this came in from uh, Jake Trout thirty uh, three, okay. and it's it's titled "Right Place, Wrong Time Again." <laughs> okay. uh, I live in Cape May, and I listen to your podcast every week, and I'm never disappointed. 
I'm in Dublin presently in Ireland, and I just walked around the city listening with delight. Oh, God. Mostly, be- mostly because <laughs> I knew before I listened that the Phillies' newest acquisition, Sir Jay the Bruce, had just won the game versus the Padres for us. But seriously, you both do a great job giving us perpetually disappointed Phillies fans a very balanced look at the team and what's transpired during the previous week. Keep up the good work. Yours most sincerely, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Could you imagine going to Ireland, walking around Dublin, you're having this lifetime experience, and you're listening to us talk about Jay Brewers? Jesus. You know what's going to happen now? Russ, if Russ doesn't listen all the way through when he edits this uh, this thing before he posts it for us tomorrow, he's going to look at the analytics. He's going to look at the numbers. He's going to be like, you guys got listeners in Ireland. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well th- thanks jake well, i am know who it is. thoroughly impressed i appreciate that that was yeah. that's awesome but uh i think it, that is pretty awesome that he's walking around dublin uh listening to you, our you know what it is I, I will say this i just want to defend myself real quick and and you can you can tell me where you're at on this part of the thing is man like i'm in my house the game's over. I have three dogs. They're in the bedroom right now with my fiance. She's sound asleep. She's got to get up at 5:30 in the morning. I just don't have, I don't have that bubbly personality at, at 12:15 at night. Like <laughs> most of our podcasts are recorded after Phillies games. It's in the morning. I don't want to wake my fiance up. She's gonna kill me. I yeah. just feel like I have to keep it a little bit more tame than you. you know. But I think that what we need to start doing, man, is we need to start recording at 4 p.m. That's the deal. Could you imagine? Wow, it would be a whole different. It would 4 p.m. from now field. on. I don't get, it doesn't matter. I don't care if the Phillies win or lose. I don't care if you're downloading it at 6 o'clock in the morning. We don't have to talk about that night's game. I'm bringing the energy. I'm super positive. It's a totally different show. Well, you know, if we, if, we, if we did that, we would be a lot less reactionary. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, if we would be. Yeah, sure. Because we'd, we'd have a night to sleep on what happened the night before and, and kind of be a little bit more measured. <laughs> in our project well yeah there's another game coming up in a couple hours well anybody that wants to kill us can because the phillies won seven four tonight it was a pretty good win and uh we didn't really even talk about it <laughs> so, no we didn't you know so I mean, we didn't yeah. we suck yeah. we suck no we're just keeping it real man keeping it real just <laughs> what, what were the, we talked about one play from that game and it was reese hoskins base running <laughs> <laughs> not the fact that he had two hits or that scott kingery hit a three-run homer the Jay Bruce had another big RBI or, you know, that Hector Neris nailed it down in the ninth or none of that. We just talked yeah. about Reese Hoskins base running. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, it's, uh, people might be onto something, man. Priorities. <laughs> yeah. Priorities. Anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in to Crossed Up. Don't forget to check out the other programs on the Crossing Broad Podcasting Network. Uh, Snow the Goalie. We have Russ and I have another one coming up soon. Um, Crossing Broadcast uh, with Russ and Kevin Kincaid. Uh, the two soccer podcasts, it's always soccer in Philadelphia. Hey, he's got a live podcast coming up right uh, kevin's yes. got a live podcast coming up from some bar near uh near um uh <laughs> some bar stadium. some uh talent like, energy is that they, what yeah, it is town, yeah, well, I, I I, it used to be called ppl i yeah. i got i always forget what what is the talent energy stadium in chester i forget what the bo- name of the bar is I, he sent it around in slack and i and i just it's out of my head i don't, I remember. don't know whatever but your I, uh whatever your big favorite bar is in chester Union Ale House, that's near there. Uh, boots, boots and bonnets. Uh, yeah, I got nothing, man. <laughs> Snake and Shield. 
Sugar Shack? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, and, but no, but really, I think it's really cool. Kev's, I mean, he's got a great following. Yeah, uh, for the for the union, and the union are having a good season, so I'm sure it'll be a, a fun time to go out and see uh, Kevin's live podcast uh, for the union fans. Uh, and then there's also uh, Crossing Broad FC, uh, where Russ and Phil break down um, European soccer. Love it. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, favorite right. podcast on the network. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, finally there's uh, broadlines uh, yeah. with uh, with the, all you betting folk <laughs> chiming in there. Did you see the United States beat Thailand thirteen nothing today? You know what? That's an embarrassment. And if we were on crossing broadcast, I'd kill them. I'd ki- that's an absolute embarrassment. Wait a minute. So you would kill the United States, the women's national I them, team? I now want them to lose. How do you like that? Okay. How, how do you like that for being Alex Morgan, five goals? No? no? Doesn't do how, anything for how you? How unpatriotic am I? I want them to lose because that's an emb- – they take advantage of a, of a Thailand team that probably has no business being on the same pitch as, that, as them. And do you really need to score 13 goals in the game? I mean that's a record. You know, you want to win the game five nothing, six nothing. Okay, fine. I'm I'm okay with that. You know, you want to make sure you get your goal differential because I know that that's a thing, right? You got to have the best goal differential for seeding in case of a tie. Fine, but do you really need to win thirteen to nothing? They used all three of their subs. <laughs> oh, oh, isn't that isn't that swell of them? How about it? How about you just stop trying to score at some point? Just kind of pass the ball. Listen, around. Anthony, Megan Rapino after the game said, "Obviously, we have the utmost respect for everyone we play, but it's the World Cup, and that's part of it. That's part of growing the game and growing the pool." You yeah, sound no. like Madison Bumgarner after a Max Muncie homer. <laughs> if you don't no. like it, stop it. No, that's not part of the game. That's not part of growing the game. Because if you're if you're growing the game in Thailand and you watch your national team get their ass kicked thirteen to nothing. Are you sitting there saying, "Oh yeah, I want to run out and be and make and play this sport," or are you sitting there saying, "Well, yeah, here's something know. we can't do anymore. We can't beat this, beat them. There's no shot. Forget it." Yeah. Come for the negativity, stay for the soccer talk. I'll tell you what: when we edit this thing down, this might be the lead of the uh, show tonight. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know, Russ <laughs> is going to make it the lead. Yeah, Russ is going to find a way to that. make this the lead. Yeah. But anyway, so that's the uh, rest of the Crossing Broad Podcasting Network. It's after Did the Diamondbacks night. hit too many homers when they hit eight against the Phillies on Monday we, night? We didn't even talk about that. Nah. We didn't even talk about that being a record. Speaking of the number 13 in records, yeah. 13 home runs in a game between the Phillies and that. We didn't even get I either. swear to God, I got home last night. I mean, I watched the game, but I was out. And I got home, and I was like, I got to do a post on this because it's history. And I said, like, I don't have a take here. I said, so what I'm going to do is I'm just literally going to go to every tweet that has a copy of the home run in it, and I'm just going to lay them out sequentially. And that was my post. It was Jared Eikhoff gave up a bunch of home runs. He probably won't make his next start. This was not good. The Phillies lost. They're tied for first place. Here are all of the home runs. Like, what else was there to say about that game last night? Nothing. That Ranger Suarez probably isn't cut to be the fifth starter. Like, yeah. No, it was, there was nothing. There was nothing to it. There was really. It was just kind of pathetic. They got to figure that out too. By the way, and I don't want to have this conversation, but they need to cut down on the home runs. It's a joke, and it's taken away from the, the gloriousness of a of a, of a crisp long ball. <laughs> You're talking about baseball in general. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah, tired of all the home runs. It's too much. I'm there. And you know who else? You know who said that? By the way, today, Angelo Cataldi. Yes, he did. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Look at you agreeing with Angelo, Bob. Shit. He's right. Yeah. I want to see a three hopper up the middle and a good hit and run <laughs> where the hole at second base has been vacated by the second baseman covering the bag and 
a good first to third. And Holla. Yeah, that's what I want to say. I know I'm <laughs> preaching to the choir now. <laughs> but anyway, it's a good finish. I like that. It's a strong finish. Oh, by know. the way, you know what? Uh, I want to yeah. go full circle here with what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Do you know, uh, speaking of um, me knowing more than, than other people, do you know who was the uh, South Jersey Baseball Coach of the Year, according to the Philadelphia Inquirer? Was it Bob Wankel? It was, goddammit. Good How for about you. That? How about Good that? For you. That's great. Flex. Flex on them. That's awesome. I'm impressed. There you go. How about it? I'm impressed. All right. That's all I got. <laughs> I wanted to get that in there. I was actually going to work that in on top of the show. I said, nah, I'm not going to do it. But for our hardcore listeners that are over 60 minutes of this podcast, I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll be back uh, early next week uh, after the Brave series. And we'll either be, uh, like I said, either be pretty elated or we'll be pretty frigging miserable. So, um, <laughs> and, and if you want my if you want my prediction, we're going to be pretty frigging miserable. Oh no! Come yeah. on, Philly's got two out of three. <sighs> PD positive. Here we go, baby. I think you're out of your mind. All right, <laughs> all right. So uh, until then, he's Bob. I'm a- I'm Anthony, and we'll see you uh, on Crossed Up next week. Thanks. See. You.